This is Dan and Sheree, and we're talking about good news for the heart. This first section, we're going to be in Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. So I'm going to read Luke 18, and then we're going to talk about the relevancy of the gospel that we see here. Jesus is talking, and he says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So, Sheree, as you've been sitting and doing Bible study in this passage this last week, how has this question of the relevancy of the gospel been shining through in this parable? Yeah, I think there is a lot that stands out to me, especially today, um, that feels like good news. So three things in particular stand out. The first being this concept of justice, that justice itself is grounded in the character of the Lord, um, that he is the one that that writes the ship, um, that he's the one that takes sin and brokenness and restores it and um, goes before us, before our enemy, and fights on our behalf. That really stands out to me. Um, also, this, this picture that we have of this vulnerable woman who has had something done to her, this crime committed to her, um, and yet she goes and persists before a judge who is described as not caring about Anyone on earth definitely not caring about God, and yet she continues to go before him and plead on her behalf, advocate for herself. Um, and so just, I think even that word of not losing heart, of persisting, um, feels especially intriguing to me. Um, and then the last one, I think just that last sentence, uh, that when Jesus comes, will he find faith on earth? That question feels tough today. Um, but I think I think looking at this and seeing that, again, that God is the one that, that provides justice and that really my only role, um, especially even today, um, with everything happening with the brokenness that we see with racism across our nation that has happened for years and years and just struggling to understand like where God is in this, um, of seeing a, a vulnerable and oppressed people group in our black community continue to be um, beaten down and crying out and um, feeling a lot uh, ranging from like, yeah, just a lot of confusion to hopelessness, um, but that there's a picture of this woman going and persisting before the Lord, um, going and pleading 
mm-hmm. night and day tirelessly. Um, that just feels like against what I would believe. Um, if something, if, if something was being delayed, justice delayed does not make me naturally want to continue to talk about it and continue to like trust anything. It makes me question the character of God and question whether or not he sees me or cares for me. Um, and yeah, so that, that challenge to persist, especially rolling into that last question, um, of will he find faith? Will he find faith in his people to continue to come before him? So yeah, those are some things that really stand out. Yeah, I know. Feels challenging. Yeah, yeah, that's some big stuff. Yeah. So I hear these three things that you've been wrestling with are these questions that kind of came out. Mm-hmm. Um, this God-oriented justice, mm-hmm. the persistent widow, and this question of will he find faith? Will God find faith when he comes back? And it seems like you've really sat more in those last two in mm-hmm. the midst of that. What has that looked like to wrestle for yourself with the idea of God finding faith and persisting? Mm, that's a really good question. I think personally, it's come through a lot of failing at the persisting, like mm. just giving up and um, and yet realizing that, that God is not dependent on my showing up to do things. Um, but I think this, this idea of persisting, of continuing to be vulnerable, um, even in my own wants or desires, um, yeah, that just feels challenging. Um, especially to me who loves to like have it together and yeah, just appear like I know what the answer to something is. Um, I think where I feel particularly, I don't know, just a big question over is seeing the Lord delay justice, even in our current nation circumstances, that's felt currently really hard in my conversations with the Lord. Um, so even this parable in particular, knowing that Jesus shared it thousands of years ago, but it felt like good news um, to me. Good. Yeah. Just a good um, active step that I could take. So, mm. yeah. 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 I I really resonate with that. I think, in, in the midst of the racial tensions and brokenness of our country. And <clears throat> as I've wrestled with this and been processing this, and as even as I was sitting in this passage, that first verse, it says, uh, he, he told this parable that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Mm-hmm. And I think what I have most wrestled with in this season is losing heart. Mm-hmm. I, I've wrestled with hopelessness mm-hmm. of, you know, this side of heaven if injustice and sin and brokenness has existed for thousands of years, what hope do we have of true change actually coming? But this parable and the gospel, the good news of the gospel says that even today, yet now, because of who God is, that he will bring justice Mm -hmm. and we can have hope in him now and into eternity. Mm-hmm. So I've been resting in that. I think Lamentations 3, 21 to 25 has been one of the biggest passages for me on hope. In 21, it says, in this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Mm-hmm. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. And I love that word consumed because for me, in the midst of my hopelessness, 
or my fear or my sin, what I most often feel is like I'm about to be consumed mm -hmm. with that feeling. Mm -hmm. But God promises that we have the hope of not being consumed mm -hmm. by our hopelessness mm -hmm. because of the gospel, mm -hmm. even today mm -hmm. in these circumstances. Wow. So as you were processing this charade, mm -hmm. uh, was there a, a question that you ended up coming to or what does it look like for us to uh, walk in the relevancy of this idea of justice mm -hmm. in the midst of today? How can we take a step in this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think as I was thinking about this and even as Dan and I were praying over this time, I think it feels important to persist before the Lord, um, specific to um, just going before the Lord and pleading for his character of justice to come through, um, specific to the Black community and pleading for um, the justice of, of George Floyd's death, um, so many others, praying for that as believers, um, trusting that the Lord can move and act, mm -hmm. and specifically praying for us as the church to lead out in that, um, to take risks and to sit and empathize. Um, so that feels like an important thing, I think, for us to do now. So, yeah. Um, Dan, I'm going to tell you a story that I heard from Jesus. Here we go. I like story time. Yeah. So basically we, we enter in and there are these two guys that uh, are standing in church. One is a Pharisee, which is basically a fancy name for a religious leader, AKA like a pastor of a mega church, that kind of level. And then we also have a tax collector who is Maybe the equivalent of like a politician. You don't sound as confident about that. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but the tax collector wasn't really received by his community, kind of outcasted. Um, so we have these two men. One, the religious leader, the Pharisee, is totally comfortable. He is standing up. He's kind of drawing some attention to himself. Um, and really just praying for himself. And he's looking around and he's like, man, Lord, I'm so glad that I'm not like that person who cheated on his wife or this person that steals money, whatever, um, or that one that lies all the time and especially makes eye contact with the tax collector. I'm so glad that I'm not like him. And then we zoom over to the tax collector and he is standing in the back, can't even lift his head. So uncomfortable in this setting, definitely uncomfortable to be near to God and can't even really say anything, just beats his chest and cries out for the Lord to have mercy on him. And that's the story. What stands out to you about that? Oh, what yeah. feels like good news to you hearing that? I want to hear more Bible stories with charades sometime. <laughs> That's a good experience. Yes, yes. So I'm a why guy. The like the the why behind a story or the why always is really interesting to me. Why does this matter? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> that first verse in nine, when he said he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. That sounds really powerful and intense to me. This, this was told to people who trusted in themselves. And as I've been walking with the Lord for the last 
14, 15 years, uh, I have just seen more and more how much I continue to trust in myself, mm -hmm. how much I continue to look to myself in pride as I compare myself to others. In fact, uh, it was just a few weeks ago in my quiet times, I've been uh, in a few different places. One of them has been Mark. Mm -hmm. And I was in Mark 10, which is actually the parallel passage to Luke 18. So it's some of these same stories. And right after this, there's a story about a rich ruler. And so it's this rich ruler that comes to Jesus and he asks, he asks Jesus what he must do uh, for eternal life. And Jesus's response is, in, in the end, Jesus's response is sell everything you have. And this was a rich young man, sell everything you have and just come follow me. Mm -hmm. And as I read that, my instant response was I thought of a friend that I said, oh, man, I wish he was reading this right now. Mm -hmm. This would be so good for him to read that he could realize selling everything, leaving everything and following Jesus <laughs> is worth it. And, and as I'm having this thought of as I'm sitting there judging my friend and his sure. sin, the Lord like taps me on the shoulder and he says, Dan, do you think I had you read this passage for your friend? Uh, or maybe because you I needed know. to read this passage this morning. I know. I was like, oh, my goodness. Lord, what are you trying to do to me right now? And I just saw myself now, as even I'm looking at this passage, I thought, man, I so quickly become the Pharisee. Mm -hmm. That as I look at myself, I'm not looking at me in light of who God is and his holiness. I'm looking at me in light of the people around. And either elevating myself in pride or pulling myself down in shame. Wow. Man, that is hard. That feels, yeah, like I resonate with that so much. So I think more often I view as like these two different stories, these two different experiences of God. I feel like um, I, I don't love that I resonate more with the Pharisee. I would rather be like removed from that story, actually, mm. if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> neither. I identify yeah, neither. neither. Uh, but I think even thinking about that, that's so interesting. I think framing pride as essentially looking to other people and like trying to figure out where you stand. It makes me think that pride is just essentially covering shame um, mm. and covering like your own shame out of like, who you are or how you feel standing before God. Um, I feel like that's something that, yeah, I think of often and would rather feel better than other people. Um, and that is tough. And <laughs> yeah, that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had that thought before of like the connection between pride and shame? Um, a little bit. I think I try to not think about it. Uh, but yeah, I think even knowing that as a kid growing up in church, I could probably recite the story of Adam and Eve to you. Um, and knowing that that was like the root of what happened to sever the relationship between God and man was shame hiding themselves and hiding this decision that they made um, to rebel against God, to like choose pride. Um, that feels like, okay, that's a nice story. Um, but I think connecting it to myself and feeling like, where, where do I like choose this? Where do I choose 
to cover myself? Um, what does that look like? Uh, and how do I bring that to the Lord? Um, that feels like a very vulnerable place to be in. So, yeah. yeah. What does that look like for you, even in your relationship with Lord conversations, to like bring before him pride? Hmm. Well, it's interesting to me, even in this story, one of the things that stuck out is the tax collector was humbling himself before God mm -hmm. as he's sitting there beating his chest. But as he's doing this, it also involved him humbling himself before the Pharisee. So he's acknowledging before God and man mm -hmm. that he's not righteous on my own, mm -hmm. on his own. And I think the reason he can do this is because of the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason we can do this is because of the gospel, because we can't acknowledge our feelings and our brokenness if those play a part in what define us. Mm -hmm. And that's the question that I'm often wrestling with is like, is this a part of who I am? Does this make up my primary identity? that I can't do this, mm -hmm. or that I can do this. Mm -hmm. But the gospel says, no, this isn't a part of my primary identity. My mm -hmm. primary identity is Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it frees me to look at my own failings. It frees me to acknowledge in the ways that I need to grow and apologize for the things I've messed up in. Mm -hmm. It frees me to live out of humility. Mm -hmm. And not only does it free me to live out of humility, it actually enables me for empathy. So I'm not just sitting there, I'm not the, the Pharisee sitting there looking at the tax collector, judging him mm -hmm. as he's not measuring up in all these ways. I get to walk alongside of him and say, man, I recognize my own brokenness wow. as well. And so I can relate to all of these things that you're beating yourself up over. Mm -hmm. But here is how the gospel speaks into this. Wow, that's so powerful. But it frees us just to say that again. It frees us into humility and into empathy for others, right? To walk with them, which is so counter, I think, to what pride or shame, what those voices tend to show up as is that it either is driving you away from people and um, mm. elevating you or it's making you hide. So the fact that both of those offer a correct view of self and a correct view of others um, yeah, it feels so counter, I think, mm. to what I tend to think. Um, yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. So we're going to give you guys some time to just process some of the questions that this has stirred up for us. You guys are going to get in your breakout groups, the same breakout groups you were in earlier. And you're going to talk about this question of how is this good news for your heart today? Even are there particular areas currently you wrestle with pride shame, a lack of humility or empathy? And then what does that look like to take a step towards Jesus in these areas? We're going to get a little bit more into shame a little later, but that even we see that come out in this story as well. Yeah. So take 10 minutes and then we'll get back together. It's um, relationships towards yeah. other people. I think even for me in my own story, at the depth of my shame, I think I could recognize like, I think God still loves me, but there is no way that I'm ever saying this word or telling anyone about this. Um, and at the same time, that was an important step to take was, was bringing others into that with mm -hmm. me, bringing something into the light um, that felt terrifying 
And I think the enemy loves to be all over that and loves out of shame to make you feel, make me feel like I'm the only person in the world that is wrapped into this. Mm -hmm. And if I ever say it, then I'll be cast out. I'll be the blind man um, alone Mm -hmm. and just told to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, But out of the story, again, that Jesus stops, draws me near and speaks into that shame um, and brings others into it. We see that the crowd rejoices at the end. So um, yeah, I love what you shared. I remember this reminds me of a story from college where I went to the guy who was discipling me. His name is Ben Nugent. Uh, he's actually going to be speaking, I think, next week here. And so I, I went to him as a student leader in the UF Navigators, and I said, Ben, I'm falling apart. Mm-hmm. And like, I cannot hold it all together. And I can't share this with the other student leader guys because mm-hmm. they just would not understand. They are doing a great job as they're leading Bible studies and they're walking with the Lord so faithfully. Mm-hmm. So I like just don't know what to do, but I'm really discouraged. And Ben looks at me and he goes, man, you got to go talk to like five other student leaders because I've had the same conversation <laughs> with five guys this last week. Wow. Yeah. It was such a like powerful moment of I think realizing that Satan loves to use that tool sure. that you're so alone, yeah. but we're not alone. Yeah. One, because we have a high priest that understands, mm-hmm. but two, because we have a body of believers mm-hmm. that together we're being drawn into the fullness of the gospel. Yeah. So yeah. I would agree with you. I think there's power in that. Yeah. Which, so, yeah, I think even stepping into that, we're going to send you out into breakout groups again, you're saying groups. Um, so as a reminder, trying to stay, yeah, girls with girls, boys with boys, and we're going to get vulnerable, and we have some questions. Um, I don't know that you guys will be able to get through all of them, so feel free to take these and just answer them um, together, and I just challenge you guys that our identity, again, is in being loved by God. It's not by um, what we've done or what we're currently in the midst of. And from personal experience, I think the Lord has, has offered so much of himself, even through things that I thought I would never talk about. Um, and has, has, yeah, just been so powerful to me in my own relationship with him. So the, the questions we have for you are, do you see yourself hiding from God or man in your sickness at all? And how so? How can you cry out to God for healing? How do you feel about calling attention to your sickness? And have you taken steps to to have people see you and know you? And what could it look like to take one step in letting someone know you this week?